0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. You know, Andy, sometimes it's, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about the Lakers. Uh, sometimes it's nice to step back and let somebody else talk to us about what they think about the Lakers. We'll do that today with Adam Mares of Locked On Nuggets and the Locked On NBA podcast, and we'll sweep around the Western Conference as well. All that coming up on Locked On Lakers. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we get going here, I want to let you know that Fridays on Lock- on the Locked On NBA podcast, Nick Angstad of Locked On Mavericks and Adam Mares of Locked On Nuggets, they power rank the week that was in the NBA. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast today wherever you get your podcasts, and here to promote that very Locked On NBA podcast. Please say
1: Nick. Please say Nick. <laughs> no, it
0: is Adam. Uh, but this it. is like this is like an episode of Kimmel. We're basically having you
2: on to promote Friday's podcast. Adam, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. It is. It's like a little press junket here, and uh, yeah, I got to promote the show. I also laugh. <laughs> You guys said you're, you talk about the Lakers, so you have somebody else here to talk about them. I, I'm I'm a notorious Laker hater, so I, I'm only inviting, I guess, the ire of your audience to to talk about the Lakers today. Well,
0: it's yeah. they, it's been a few days since they've had someone to direct their ire towards, uh, <laughs> and we, we we'd rather going to other people than us. So, right.
1: Right. Um. You know, welcome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The the origin of this show, a lot of people thought was hosted by a Laker hater. So you're nothing. <laughs> there you go.
2: Today I'll I'll be your guys' shield, I suppose.
0: We spent, you know, we, we this is the the Lakers podcast. We dive deep into the minutiae of everything. But like it it is good to step back and like get out of the weeds a little bit and have somebody give a perspective on on what the team has done this off season. Like when you step back and you look at like what do you think of you know, we'll start with just the Westbrook thing. Like what, wh- how do you, how well do you think that works? Uh, were you a Laker fan as opposed to a hater? Would you be excited about this?
2: It's interesting. Um, you, Um, I got to tip my hat to the Lakers for doing something this offseason Cause it looks like so many teams didn't, a lot of teams just kind of thought I, I, it seems a lot of teams thought last year was a weird year. Let's everybody run it back and, and see what happens. The Lakers, the one team out West that really made a shakeup. Um, It doesn't make a ton of sense to me on paper in that, oh, it's going to be smooth and Westbrook's a perfect LeBron player. You know, he loves to have the ball in his hands. He hasn't been great off the ball. But the thing that makes sense about it for me is that he's one of the most athletic players, most athletically dominant players in the NBA. Anthony Davis, one of the most athletically dominant players in the NBA. LeBron James, one of the most athletically dominant players of all time. So you have three guys that are just mismatches on almost every single team athletically whether they fit or not i don't know but to me they're going to be a team that probably looks clunky at parts but probably goes on a lot of 20 to 3 runs just because they overwhelm teams and get out to big leads so To me, I'm so curious to see how how it'll work out, but I do think that they're going to have these overwhelming stretches. Yeah,
1: that actually leads well to what I wanted to ask and something Brian and I talked about on Thursday's podcast. Like, I agree with you. There are obviously a lot of questions that need to be answered in terms of the fit with these guys, but I feel like if they do manage to figure this out and there's no guarantee they will, like the upside for it could be exceptionally high. Because I I feel like definitionally, if you make that work, it's only because it really works. Like, how how high, I guess, do you think the potential upside is there, or like the ceiling for figuring it out with those three?
2: I mean, the ceiling is a championship, but no question about it. And obviously, that's the expectation this year. I think they're the favorites out west in Vegas. They should be probably slight, in my opinion, slight favorites relative to a very deep field. Um, But yeah, the ceiling is it works really well. People, I, I don't know how much people remember this. 2011, the Miami Heat were a clunky team. Those pieces didn't actually fit the way everybody expected and this or that, and there were pockets where it did, and there was Wade slashing, LeBron dry, everything. It just, they were coming in waves, but there was a lot of, okay, I'm not sp- sure what I'm supposed to be doing here, and I'm, I'd am i be more comfortable if you kind of just got out of my way instead, and I think the Lakers will look a lot like that, where there's just those, those hot and cold starts. A lot of it is going to be about, Do the guys, the others that they place around those guys, do they knock down shots? Uh, Wayne Ellington, Kendrick Nunn even. um, Even Westbrook a little bit, Kent Bazemore. Those are the guys that, do they have really hot shooting years? And if they do, that's when the Lakers, I think, are going to go on some of these massive runs. If they don't, there's going to be games where you look at them and go, they're down twenty to the Kings. What's going on here? Why is this team right? Not, it'll, be, it'll be it'll be no. because
0: everybody's standing two feet around the lane right. and they're two for nineteen from three point range. Um, but like, if if they shoot, and I think that's why they just they've got so many guys and they just throwing uh, they'll throw as many bodies as they possibly can against the wall and see what sticks. But if they do, if Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn and Wayne Ellington to whatever degree he plays and more, especially. I mean, if those guys are all in that thirty-seven to forty-one percent range, like near the top or you know the good side of it, I don't know how you play with this team because that will that'll give them good enough spacing and good enough
2: shooting. I just don't know if you can rely on that. I also wonder how much the Lakers will care about. I don't think you can rely on it for eighty-two games. I think the Lakers will be a hot and cold team that will go through stretches where they look like. Uh, the 96 Bulls, and they'll go through stretches where they look like the opposite of that. But the question is, does that come together? 2006 Bulls. There you go, the 2006 Bulls. The question <laughs> well, I'm is... I'm just assuming it, we're terrible. I'm just guessing. <laughs> the question is, does it come together for them um in the playoffs and at the right time and, and do those guys kind of figure it out? And while shooting is certainly... I think every team you could look at and say, are the others going to have a good shooting year or a bad shooting year? And are they going to step up in the playoffs or not step up? But the other aspect of this is that Westbrook and LeBron, that chemistry is not guaranteed, and them not figuring it out is not guaranteed. And I do think they will get there because LeBron's team seems to always get there when it's time. So I, I'm not going to start saying it won't happen now. But I do think it'll take a full 82 games or, or a majority of 82 games before we go, ah, that's how it makes sense. That's the team that they are.
0: Uh, Andy, two- Andy, before you jump in there, quick side note: the 2007 Bulls would have been a much better choice. They won 33 games. The 2006-2007 Bulls actually won 49.
1: Anyway, though, we, we the the Lakers on paper sacrificed some defense to to build up this roster, and I, I think you can make arguments that it was actually necessary because. The offense just needed juicing the last couple of years, even when they've been really good, even with an elite defense, even the year they won a championship, their offense was often problematic, and there's only so long you can keep that up. How much, though, do you think it's going to hurt them over the course of the season, or do you actually think that they've got more pieces than people may realize?
2: No, I, I that's such a fascinating question because you're you're absolutely right when we talk about them overwhelming teams we're it's really two ways it's in transition and it's because they're shooting the gaps and getting these stops but in a, a, you know will they be good enough offensively to make up for what they're going to lose defensively Denver lost that series a few years ago because they couldn't score I thought they did a fine job uh, defensively against them. Anthony Davis was absolutely on fire in that series. I thought LeBron had to work. You know, he got his legs under him in game five when he closed the door. But for most of that series, I thought, LeBron, you say, okay, I'll live with that. But Denver just couldn't score on him consistently enough to to get over the hump. Now, if you take even just a little bit of that away, does that open the door for some of these other teams? And the last thing I look at when you talk about offense-defense, Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan – those guys are really tough matchups or have been actually not so much DeAndre Jordan, but Dwight Howard has been a tough matchup for Jokic. That's a big body. They've liked this big body, you know, throw big bodies out there and and dominate again physically and athletically. But does that work against the Warriors that we're going to see this year? Does that work against some of the, the Phoenix Suns and maybe even to a lesser extent, the Utah Jazz, some of these quick guard teams? I'm just so curious because I, there's a paper rock scissors in the Western conference. And I feel like the Lakers are going to be really good against some teams, but maybe do you, do well, they, DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard might not have a role in a lot of series.
0: You know, you know, we, and this is something that obviously we didn't come up with this thought, but what solves a lot of those problems, Adam is, is Anthony Davis just spending most of right. his time at center. Um, all right. I, I do have one more question. Andy asked you a, a question about sort of the, the giving up the defense for offense thing. I, I got a question about how all of this relates to a theoretical uh, finals against the, the Nets. And this is something Andy and I talked about on Thursday's show um, as to why the Lakers may have gone the direction that they did. Um, and we'll do that next locked on lakers brought to you by built bar if you're like me adam you probably aspire to be if nothing else you're you're you want something that's healthy you want something that tastes good but you're running around a lot you don't have the time mm. to always just be sitting around it like i assume this is your life you have children i thought you're describing
2: myself yeah
0: yeah i mean people consider us aspirational i totally get it um yeah, but it that's built bar. It's high in protein, it's low in sugar, low in calories and the improved built bar, it's even more delicious than before if that's possible. 18 flavors including 6 new ones like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia. I love that one. Built Bar can also, it calms my sweet tooth because even without all that sugar, they're still coated in 100% chocolate. And unlike some protein bars, they're actually soft and easy to chew. Like Adam doesn't actually have teeth, little known fact, but he can still get through a Built Bar. They're that soft. Uh, you go to builtbar.com, you use promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off your next order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for
1: 15% off at BiltBar.com. Lockdown Lakers also brought to you by SweatBlock. There are a few things in life that are just not fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. Like when you are sweating through your shirt for like no reason whatsoever. It's 70 degrees outside. It's nice. That is embarrassing. I don't want to have to talk about that. So that's why I use SweatBlock antiperspirant wipes. They are stronger, more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime. Next morning, you wake up, you wash, you go about your day without worrying about sweat. Use it once or twice a week. That's it. Stay dry the whole time, guaranteed, or your money back. No more picking out shirts based on what hides the sweat better, like a black shirt and you've put like a black curtain behind you just to match the shirt because you're so paranoid about how it all looks. Those are like, hard to carry around. Yes, yes. Put it. I'll put it to you this way. If you know of another sweat solution that is doctor-created, doctor-recommended, featured on Rachel Ray's show, tested by firefighters, I'm listening, but until then, check out SweatBlock. Get it today for 20 percent off at SweatBlock.com with the promo code Locked On, or at Amazon and CVS. All
0: right, before we get to the rest of the Western Conference, um, you uh, you know, so on Thursday's show, we talk a lot about whether the Lakers may have done that whole sacrifice defense for offense thing, at least in in a partial response to a potential finals matchup against the Nets. Because my basic thinking is. I don't care how good you are defensively. A team with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden is going to score on your team, and they're probably going to score a fair amount. Like, There's just not a whole lot that you can do about it. And at some point, you just have to score more or be able to score with them. How much truth do you think there is just to that? Not even so much specifically to the Lakers, but everybody who might have to face the Nets in the finals that you just you have to be able to come with a certain amount of offense to be have a chance to get through that team. Because I don't think they're going to be garbage defensively, but they could be a
2: complete juggernaut on, on the other side. I think against most teams, you're right. I mean, they were the number one offense, not just of the season, but of all time last year. And they were not particularly healthy for most of the season. I think famously only played those seven games with their big three. Uh, so there's no question that, They are going to score on you. It's just can you limit that a little bit and can you gun with them? And they have a lot of holes that I think the Lakers are going to be able to exploit, especially in that front court. It's a lot of three versus two. Okay, you've got a lot of guards, perimeter scoring. They're going to be able to use that attack. But the question is, can you make it a half-court game? And in particular, can you make it a half-court game because you're at the foul line? And I think DeAndre Jordan, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, those are three guys that should eat every single – rebound and should be drawing fouls left and right or getting wide open dunks and that to me is the ticket i thought about this a lot because of denver if denver were to match up with brooklyn and to me that's the only feasible way to really try to uh hinder them is if you're living at the foul line and every possession they get the other direction is against a set defense that's rested from from getting free throws at the other direction yeah,
1: I, I mean, as much as Dwight and DeAndre, who you just mentioned, have those issues of their own at the free throw line, getting another team into foul trouble. Right. If you can't, even if you can't capitalize on it with points, you're still putting them at a disadvantage. So, I mean, I, I, what I think is going to be really interesting to watch is we're really talking about putting extreme pressure on, you know, an opponent in this case, Lakers versus Nets, but doing it in totally opposite ways. And seeing like what has to give first, if anything, and you know if you can actually make two keep up with three, you know All what right. I mean. Like w- with the actual math, like if, if both teams are doing what they want to do reasonably
2: well, if you're the Lakers, can you can you still keep that kind of pace? I mean, that's that's the big question. And, and full disclosure, I think. It, Vegas agrees with me. I think the Nets are cut above the Lakers, at least on paper. I look at them and I say, okay, that's a team that has a more likely path to to being great. But so, so I already sort of put this in in their favor. But you know, Westbrook's an interesting wrinkle in all of this as well, because you're talking about Harden, who can be a solid defender, and Kyrie Irving, who can be okay, whatever. But he Westbrook is one of those guys that athletically breaks players like that, just too fast, too speedy. So. Can you be a curveball to what they're comfortable with? That the Lakers, to me, are a giant curveball team, uh, in that they're just so athletically different than everybody else that people are gonna, that they have to adjust to playing them. Right, and and I will say the the odds. You know, I
0: think the the Lakers have two two adjustment periods. There's the adjustment period at the beginning of the year, everybody's getting used to it. How much does Russ have the ball in his hands? How much does LeBron have his of the ball in his hands? How much? Is AD playing center? How much is he not like? You know, figuring right. out those like all of that's going to take a little bit of time. And you know, the who has the ball in their hands thing is probably the biggest question that they have there. But then, I my my other big thing is I think you might have to start over again to some degree in the playoffs because now you're against better teams. It's seven <laughs> games. It's team scouting you. You know, it gets harder to run. It gets all of those things that happen. In the postseason, your big three are going to spend more time on the floor together than they are in the regular season, where they can be scattered more. You probably don't want the ball out of LeBron's hands as much in the all of that stuff. But if you can get through, by the time you get to the finals, there's a good chance you've figured out most of those questions. And so, you know, I while I I have some concerns about. Um, the continuity of it and the adjustments and all that stuff, I do feel like if the Lakers get to the finals, there's a good chance that they'll be able to thrive there because they will have
2: answered those questions. Here's the only thing I would push back on that. Brooklyn is very different than every team you would face in the lead-up to to the finals. Mm -hmm. And here's why the the playoffs out West are very interesting and maybe will be interesting for years and years to come, is you have to be a different team with different strengths to beat the Nuggets than you do the Utah Jazz or the Portland Trailblazers. And the best teams we've seen over the last few years are teams that have been able to play one way in one series, win another way in another series, and and do different things. And to me, that's one of the things that the Lakers are going to have a difficult time in the playoffs more so than last year's is I don't think that they can just win one way to shut everybody down. Nobody's going to score. And if we're clunky on offense, it doesn't matter. We're going to shut you down. Instead, I think they are going to have to find a solution to the first round, find a solution to the second round, find mm-hmm. a solution to the third. And then when you get to, if it is Brooklyn, find a solution for them. And by the way, it's not just them. I think that's every team, but I think it is also the Lakers this year where it wasn't in the years past. I,
0: I am, Andy, curious how versatile they're going to ultimately look because Westbrook as a third guy, it's not. it's like I've seen some Lakers fans talk about like, you know, but yeah, like if you want versatility, you could put Kendrick Nunn in with Bazemore in the final 4th i I'm like, stop. stop. Any, <laughs> any lineup that does not include Russell Westbrook right. in with Anthony Davis and LeBron James is not a realistic thing. That is, they're not going to bench Russell Westbrook in, in fourth quarters of playoff games. So I, I I can see different ways that they can score in different ways. And again, the shooting becomes incredibly important. But Andy, how, how versatile offensively do you think this team ultimately can be? I think that's a really interesting question.
1: I mean, I think in some ways it comes down to how are you defining Russell Westbrook as a quote-unquote third option? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what, what is he doing? Because, like, the idea that, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people say that they think this doesn't work because Russell Westbrook off-ball, if he's spotting up, you know, he's going to be ignored. He's he's basically useless there because he's not a good outside shooter. I would agree with that but I also I don't agree with the idea that that's literally all he can do and that's where I think like the idea that people people look at a pace and space league and get a little bit reductive about what guys do if they don't have the ball like if Russell Westbrook commits to constantly being in motion constantly playing off ball as a threat to keep track of that is going to wreck the hell out of defenses cuz Russell Westbrook on the move, you don't want that guy fed. And if there's anybody in the league that can find Russell Westbrook like at the drop of a hat, it's LeBron. Right. And, and then w- if other guys are
0: moving too off of that, then right. West now Westbrook's got the ball in his hands. Exactly. And he's and Re- and but it's not something he's done a lot.
2: Sure. He, at all. Again, I, I was going to interject. It's not something he's really done at all. Capable of doing it, but has yet right. to prove that he I, will yeah. do it. For sure, I, I'm not
1: saying it will happen. I'm just saying the idea that a it couldn't happen, or more importantly, b it can't happen because Russell Westbrook is, of course, going to be too busy standing in the corner. I mean, yeah, if, if that's your idea of what to do with Russell Westbrook, yeah, it isn't going to work. I also question what the hell you're doing. Like, what? Hey, Adam, why I'm is my, that your game plan?
0: I'm curious too. Like, you you opened with this, and I think it's a great point. Like the physicality of particularly in the playoffs, LeBron James and Russell Westbrook and AD for and AD if AD is in 2020 playoff mode, that is a certain kind of physicality that
1: that is. And, And you also really quick, Brian, Adam, you brought up something that I think is really interesting that I have not heard a lot of people talk about with the Lakers, including, I think, really Brian and me, just how differently and kind of uniquely athletic they are Mm -hmm. as a team they don't get right and that's kind of what i'm getting at that that
0: gigantic physical presence with the accompanying athleticism that goes with it how effective because like that's a different thing in the playoffs right how how does that do you think translate to playoff basketball because andy's right i hadn't thought of it in quite those terms in terms of like These are physical forces altogether that are, you know, that no no other team has something
2: like that. It's got its flaws, but that's not one of them. I think it's huge. I mean, athleticism, speed, strength, ability to play above the rim—those things all widen your margin of error. That's what they do, and so I think that that's what you look at if you're the Lakers. Whereas in years past, and in particular in their 2020 run. Defense is what widen their margin of error because okay, if our offense looks bad for a five minute stretch, we can hunker down and, and do this or that. I think the same is just true with athleticism as you can throw out see these wild lineups and say, you might stop us, you might pack the paint, but we're gonna grab rebounds you don't expect. We're gonna pressure you and rotate and trap and all these things that you don't expect. And you're always playing from behind. And by the way, I saw a rumor, a report that Kenneth Farid was working out for the team. And now, of course, he would be more of a, you know, just not going to be a major piece of this but one thing kenneth is very good at if by not a major piece i hope you mean not any piece (laughs) well first of all i don't know what if this is already if that's already come and gone but it would make sense to me in that one way of you've already got some lineups if you already have some defensive pieces you could put around him he is a guy with a 45 inch vertical with an incredible motor who's always sprinting up the court it's just another guy to say oh by the way you might do everything right but we're even faster than you at every position. I made this, I made this joke, and it's not even that much of
0: a joke, but I made this joke on Thursday's show. If you're really interested in signing Kenneth Fareed for this the skill set, don't actually get Kenneth Fareed. Go find somebody else who does those things. Like I'm surprised. You just don't need he's a he's an undersized center who can't play away from the basket. Like you go down, you'll get he may, he's he is Deandre Jordan-esque shooting stats in terms of his range right he right, was a right. bad defender
2: when he was good right, um, right, right. and I just like no like uh, no. you're not you're definitely not getting him for versatility or or it's, for anything other than he grabs an insane amount of offensive rebounds he's hyper athletic and if teams are struggling already, I he, he he really feel like this is you, Adam, him. trying to sabotage the Lakers because you,
1: because you you're picturing a Western Conference Finals yeah. matchup. And you want to you want to gain every edge possible. No,
0: I, I guarantee you, if you the Lakers would be get more productivity in that role out of Devontae Kaycock than they would Kenneth Farid. I mean, look, I I have enormous respect for Farid as, as a what he made you know was, you know turned himself into in the
2: NBA, but no, no.
0: Stop, I'm, I'm trying to, stop trying to stop trying to ruin our team, Adam.
2: <laughs> I'm a bit surprised. I just look at if you had Anthony Davis at center, I know that never happens, but if you had him there and you had Kenneth Freed at four and LeBron at the three, okay. I don't I, I think you rebound eight out of ten missed shots just because I don't think anybody can box out all three of those guys. I think they're gonna get those rebounds anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, Again, that's, that's I, I will say it's
0: worth it so you could just say manimal a lot. I mean that yeah. that has its appeal. Yeah. Um want to take a quick look around the west, rest of the West. As Andy knows and other people know, I have long been a uh, a proud real estate owner on Denver Island. And so I'm curious as to how good you think they'll be this year uh, without Jamal Murray, at least for a lot
1: of the season. Um, and uh, we'll see who the other big teams are. We'll do all that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers and makes and models out there, it is impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. And why would you spend... more for the exact same parts at a chain store or new car dealership anyway, dummy. You can get it for way, way less at rockauto.com. For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, 353 bucks from a chain store. It's only 216 at rockauto.com. They are a family business. They have been serving auto part customers Online for 20 years, whether it's for your classic or daily driver. Get everything you need. Few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, or your truck, right? Locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com.
0: Locked on liquor is also brought to you by betonline.ag. Football's back and it's better than ever. And all eyes are on the gridiron as team's Uh, start another football season. We're into week two already, and Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. And so with a new updated site and interface, there are even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag, it continues to be the number one source for everything related to football. Head on over to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code nfl one hundred. From baseball, football, basketball, boxing, right down to your favorite casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. So how good are the Nuggets? Because a a Nuggets team with Jamal Murray, I think, is a very serious threat to any team in the Western Conference including the Lakers. I think they're that good. Obviously, that's not going to be as big of a factor. So what's left?
2: Yeah, what's left is, I I think, a very good regular season team. I, I do think a lot of people will look at the sweep to the Suns. You know, Obviously, without Jamal Murray, as the Nuggets will be for the majority of this season. They were also without Will Barton and P.J. Dozier. So they were missing three of their four top guards their starting guards in that were a five nine rookie and and austin rivers who they picked up a week before the playoffs began so i think throw that out the window you bring back pj dozier and will barton two guys who have been with the team for quite a while and have that chemistry in the pick and roll know their role know where they belong and i think denver actually survives the regular season with only taking a slight step back from what would have been expected had they had murray what jamal murray brings to them is he is their ceiling razor, as we saw in the playoffs. He is a guy that takes them from a very good team that can do a lot of things to a team on some nights, it doesn't matter what you throw at them, they can be unstoppable on the offensive end. Not every night, but some nights. And the question surrounding their entire season is, I think they are probably a top-four team out West. When Murray comes back, are they a team that's going to actually push the contenders and, and maybe be a contender themselves? Nobody knows the answer to that. It's all about how quickly he bounces back. Yeah,
0: especially, I was to say, is the expectation that he is going to, because like with the Clippers, the expectation is that Kawhi probably won't. Right. Um, is the expectation that Jamal Murray is going to play at
2: some point? Oh, absolutely. So he is expected to re- return late February, early March. And that gives you, it's not a long runway. And especially for a guy that will effectively have missed 10 months, you know, that not, 11 months, that will be, Six weeks of runways is more or less what I expect. Five or six weeks to get ready for the playoffs, reintegrate to a team that probably has evolved over that time. I mean, Michael Porter goes from being a third-wheel off-ball guy to what I expect to be a much more on-ball player, give him the ball clear out. So they're going to have a different identity, and how quickly can they sort of merge that, and how good does Jamal Murray look? I really don't think anybody knows the answer to that, although I think history tells us. Jamal Murray will probably be the B version of himself even into the playoffs next year.
1: When you look at what Denver's trying to do this season and just you know stay afloat as much as they can without Jamal Murray, because you said he's so big with what they do. Who do you think is ultimately a bigger factor with that, Jokic or uh, Michael Porter Jr.
2: With them staying afloat?
1: Yeah, because I, oh. I could see I could see an argument. Either I mean Jokic is obviously the better player. Right. but I could see an argument in terms of how how much they could stay afloat towards like the, the new ceiling really being sure. dependent yeah, on exact order.
2: That's how I would put it. I think Jokic is one of – if I don't want to say the best. LeBron's pretty good at this, but Jokic is very close at being the best floor raiser in the NBA. You're just When you have him out there, you're going to be a good team that can do a lot of different things and just pretty hard to stop. My Jamal Murray was that ceiling raiser. And I think Michael Porter this year will be that same thing where Jokic might be good enough to, to help beat all of the non-playoff teams almost any given night, no matter who you put around him. But you're going to need Michael Porter to score and have these pockets and, and command these double teams and this or that to where they can really become dynamic. But don't forget, you know, Aaron Gordon joined the team last year and wasn't really integrated to the offense. I'm curious to see if he's just a fill-in guy or if they run more things through him this year. Uh, Will Barton played injured for the second half of the season, yeah. but had the best season. The first half was one of the best stretches he had played in his career. Um, so I'm curious to see from him. Uh, and then PJ Dozier, as I mentioned, I know a lot of people are, are going to say, Who, who's this guy? He really looked great. In fact, we published a stat on DNBR earlier this week. I think the Nuggets were 12 and one down the stretch with him playing 25 minutes or more uh, wow. in, in the rotation. Great length, great defender. And personally, I think alongside Jokic, a guard that can run pick and roll and can defend at an elite level, thats actually a really important ingredient. And it it proved right when Murray went down and he stepped up. Well, I will say this. I hope
0: Murray comes back and I hope this other stuff pans out because one of my my only bits of sadness about what I think will be a really fun NBA season is that the Western Conference starts off diminished. If Kawhi were healthy, if Jamal Murray were healthy the the west would be bananas right now it's got i think one you know probably elite elite team in the lakers and then a couple you know utah maybe they this is the year they break through phoenix obviously should get i think a little bit better uh just from natural growth uh to this year and then after that it's like mm, you know denver maybe uh you know dallas maybe like there's a lot of maybe there but if all of those dudes were healthy it would be insane
2: um so i hope it pans out because i think just to a lot more fun our mutual boss david Locke brought this stat to my to, to my attention this week there have been four it's different a great teams. stat it's a great <laughs> best go. stat ever Enormous. what a suck up what a suck up though so four different teams have won the the finals over the last four years there's been four different teams that hasn't happened since 1979 so we've actually gone 40 years where we have never gone four different years. And and I just wonder if we are now in that era. So you said the West would have been. I think the West actually still is. You're right that there would have been a few more teams, but I actually still think the West is pretty wide open. And I'm not sure there's anybody that has a strong foothold as as the league. I think if the Lakers
0: pan out, there's nobody who who can run with that level of talent. If they don't, or if they're a little banged up or whatever, then I agree with you. I think it's much more wide open. But either way, you lose a team. The Clippers are not going to win the Western Conference without Kawhi Leonard. I mean, right, I, right. regardless of what happens. Um, Denver, I think, has a chance. I really like that. Too. It's it's just not as good as it could have been. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's just, it, there's something that's going to be a little bit diminished because two of the best potential teams are banged up before it even starts. That's all I'm getting. I'm not saying it's over. Uh, or that you know you just send the Lakers to the finals although the NBA probably will um I'm just saying I, I that's it makes me a little sad I get a little sad
1: um I want to ask you Adam about two teams that I I've seen a general consensus higher on than me personally and something Brian and I have talked about on the shows before but I, I want to get your take on it Dallas and Golden State are two teams that, you know, for a variety of reasons that I think are fairly self-evident, particularly with Golden State, like a lot of this hinges on Clay. Sure, but if you agree with the optimism, where do you see it with both of those teams, particularly Dallas, because they're they're the one that I have the hardest time trying to figure out where people think they're going to get better from beyond. I guess Luca just getting better, which could happen, but like Brian and I covered the 2006 Lakers, the year Kobe averaged like 35 and in retrospect should have won MVP. I don't know if he could have played really realistically any better than that. He couldn't get
2: him out of the first round. Well, Luca's is a little bit of a different player in in that regard. The um, Lakers fans are really going to be like paying close attention to what I say here. What he's saying is better. Your sentence, yeah. Adam. Luca, I think is more. Tread a- lightly, my friend. I, I would be less surprised of Luca carrying a really bad roster just by virtue of the way the style works out, and in this or that. Um, but that being said, I don't think Dal- I'm with you. I'm pessimistic about Dallas. I don't understand it this year. Right. I, I think you've got the coaching factor that could be a disaster. I think you've already got tension between Luca and Porzingis. That you know, at the end of the last year, you thought, man, Porzingis might is probably going to get traded. This or that. Then I don't the- trust Porzingis. Period. Of course. Of course you shouldn't trust him. We have years of evidence that you should not trust him. Not just his health, but also his on-court play, his mental toughness, yeah. his uh, don't his willingness your to wallet. Do I mean, yeah, don't near yeah, exactly. your girlfriend. He's just <laughs> yeah. untrustworthy. So I'm with you, but I am I am absolutely not with you on the Golden State Warriors. I mean, they they do have, you know, the injury thing, the Clay thing is a huge, you know, question mark, but to me, That is a team that I think is primed to to be back in the fold. Maybe not as a top three seed or or this or that, but I think that they're going to be a team that looks has pockets where they look like the team we remember.
1: How good though does Clay need to be to make that happen though? Just because like
2: asking injuries, it's a lot,
1: but also too asking Steph to replicate what he did last year or even be better. Like I'm not saying it can't be done because the guy's incredible.
2: But that is a big ask. I think we'll see that again. Personally, I just these guys have seemed to really, as time has gone on, Lillard the same thing. These guys have really figured out this. Think about how novel it was in 2015. Some of the shots Steph takes, and now it's like, hey, this is routine. I do this every time. This is my shot. I'm comfortable taking it. I think Steph is the guy that he'll he'll continue to be that. And you're right about Clay. I mean, we can't expect him, especially defensively, to be what we remember from from the glory days, but. There's a weird thing that happens in basketball psychology where if you're on the court and you see Clay Thompson running off of a screen towards the yeah. corner, you don't think, oh, this is a guy coming off of two years of injury and he's shooting 36%. You think that's Clay Thompson, everybody, everybody go. And I think I think that's where he'll have a huge impact.
0: If you can tell me Clay is going to be good, They're not peak clay, but just good clay. And um, they get some help from some of their young players. Which they did not get really last year in any meaningful right. way, and that Otto Porter stays healthy, like that to me is a lot like, of ifs. you know it's a lot of ifs, and the the Porter part of it is is probably the biggest one because that just hasn't happened in a long time. But like theoretically, he is the kind of guy who can slide in and you know fill in a little bit of the offense that Draymond doesn't give you as much anymore. Be a perfect glue guy between all of those parts, and you still have Draymond to do Draymond stuff. But that's a huge if, and but I, I want it to work again because the Warriors being
2: elite is more fun for yeah. everyone, it's not even. Oh, close. yeah, here's the thing though last year there was a lot of talk from Warriors fans in particular, a lot of conversation about the Warriors should adjust, they should be a spread, pick, and roll team. This ball movement that you know that's a thing of the past, and I always thought it was silly because last year I didn't think the Warriors were winning a title no matter what they did, and I think they had. It was a growing pain year where you had to get a lot of the guys through it so that they could learn this is our system. And I think that you're going to see Juan Tiscana Anderson and Damian Lee uh, and some of the guys around the – bring back even Iguadala, I think you're going to have guys that now have been through it, Jordan Poole, who say, okay, this isn't new to me. Now I know how this works, and now you bring back a clay, and I think you have more guys capable of playing their, their best style of basketball, and we'll see a return to that, at least in some part.
1: Yeah, I mean rooting for Clay, if nothing else. I mean, that that guy is gr- I mean, we were talking about this, um, I don't remember with who, but uh there may be oh, is with the uh light years ahead guys, right. there there may be no A list player in the league more universally liked than Clay Thompson. Yeah, for sure. Like who has a who has a problem with Clay Thompson? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, he's so likable. He's so lovable, he's, really. He's the Ted Lasso of basketball he's players. The he's
2: the one Lasso. thing we agree on. Um, uh, I also would say they're, they're a team that, they, I thought they were going to make a trade this offseason. They did not. They, they're they a team that is prime position to poach, if it's Bradley Beal or whoever has becomes the next guy. So they might look significantly different at the end of the year. Uh, well, it's going to be a
0: nutty season for sure, and a lot's going to happen. It's It's September. I mean, we got a little time. I'm sure this will not be the, <clears throat> excuse me, the last time that we speak to you about these and other issues. Uh, he is the host of Locked On Nuggets. He is the host of Locked On NBA on Fridays. You can catch him at DNVR Sports. Adam Harris, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to do this again, like many, many times between now and
2: spring. Yeah, we'll see you guys. We'll see you guys in the conference finals. There you go. Oh,
1: I like it. <laughs> <Boom>. oh!
2: <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate the time. You bet,
1: guys.